0: The first blush of dawn was just coloring the sky when Jonah and I loaded the last of our gear into the back of my dusty pickup. The air was cool, promising a hot day ahead, typical for a summer morning in the wilds of Wyoming. I remember feeling that familiar thrill, the kind that only comes when you're about to shrug off civilization for a few days and get lost in the wild. Jonah, as usual, was all grins and energy, his lanky frame almost vibrating with excitement. He's been my best friend since high school, sharing my love for the outdoors. Both of us, students at the local college, had been planning this trip since the snows melted. A secluded lake, hidden away a couple of hours' drive from our town, was our destination, a perfect spot to unplug and unwind. The drive was a quiet one, filled with the hum of the engine and the occasional burst of laughter as we shared inside jokes. When the dirt road gave way to the trailhead, it felt like crossing a threshold into another world. The dense forest seemed to swallow us whole as we began our hike. The trail was rough, more a suggestion than a well-worn path, but that's how we liked it. Wildflowers dotted the landscape, and the sound of hidden streams played a constant, soothing background music. We talked little, Each of us lost in our thoughts, soaking in the peace that only nature can provide. It was a bit past midday when the trees opened up to reveal the lake. It lay there, serene and untouched, a mirror reflecting the azure sky and the green of the surrounding hills. We both stopped, taking a moment to appreciate the beauty before us. It was moments like these that made all the stress of college life worth it. We decided to set up camp in the tree line, just outside of the beach area. It offered both the seclusion we craved and a stunning view of the lake. Tense up, we settled down to rest, our legs grateful for the break. I remember thinking how perfect everything was, how nothing could ruin this idyllic escape. So, when I went to gather firewood later that afternoon, I wasn't prepared for what I'd find. The forest, which had felt so welcoming earlier, now seemed to close in around me. As I bent to pick up a dry branch, a sound caught my attention. It was subtle, like the softest of footsteps, but in the quiet of the woods, it might as well have been a gunshot. I straightened, my heart pounding in my chest, and scanned the tree line. There, in the shadows, was a figure. It was too far to make out any details, but it was unmistakably a person. They seemed to be just standing there, watching... I felt a chill run down my spine. This was our spot, our escape. Who else would be out here in the middle of nowhere? I grabbed a few more sticks and hurried back to the camp, every rustle in the underbrush sounding like a warning. When I told Jonah, I saw the lightheartedness drain from his face. He knew, just like I did, that out here, unexpected company wasn't just unusual. It could be dangerous. We tried to brush it off, joked about it even but the seed of unease had been planted. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across our campsite, I couldn't shake the feeling that we weren't alone in these woods. The night had fallen like a thick blanket over the forest, and the only light came from the flickering campfire before us. Jonah and I sat there, our backs to the dark woods, trying to recapture the sense of peace we'd felt earlier. The crackling fire sent a warm, comforting glow across our campsite, but the earlier encounter in the woods had left its mark. We talked in low tones, our voices barely rising above the whispers of the wilderness around us. I poked at the fire, sending a shower of sparks into the night sky. It was a clear night, the kind where the stars seem close enough to touch. In any other circumstance, I'd have been lost in the beauty of it. But not tonight. Tonight, every shadow seemed to hide a threat, every rustle of leaves a potential danger. That's when he appeared. At first, I thought it was a trick of the light, a shadow cast by the fire, but as he stepped into the circle of light, I realized we were no longer alone. He was a rugged looking man, probably in his thirties, with a beard and shoulder length hair that looked like it hadn't seen a comb in weeks. There was something about him that set my nerves on edge, It wasn't just his sudden appearance, it was the way he carried himself, confident yet slightly off. He smiled at us across the campfire, but it wasn't a friendly smile. It was the kind of smile that doesn't reach the eyes, the kind that makes you instinctively wary. Evening, he said, his voice rough like gravel. You guys know the way to Pine Ridge Trail? Jonah and I exchanged a quick, uneasy glance. Pine Ridge Trail? I'd never heard of it, and by the look on Jonah's face, neither had he. Sorry, I replied, trying to keep my voice steady. Can't say I do. You sure you're in the right area? He maintained his smile, but there was a flicker of something in his eyes. Irritation, maybe, or something more calculating. No problem, he said, still with that unsettling smile. Then, without another word, he turned and disappeared back into the darkness, Jonah and I sat in stunned silence for a moment, the crackling fire the only sound. "'Was that the same guy you saw earlier?' Jonah asked, his voice low. "'I don't know,' I admitted. "'But it doesn't feel right, does it?' We spent the rest of the night by the fire, talking in hushed tones about who he might be and what he wanted. The wilderness has a way of making you feel small and vulnerable, and that night it felt like the trees themselves were closing in on us." Every sound seemed magnified, every shadow a potential hiding place for our mysterious visitor. As the fire died down to embers, we let the conversation drift off. The chill in the air wasn't just from the night. It was fear, too, the primal kind that tells you you're not at the top of the food chain. We let the fire burn out, retreating to the safety of our tents, but sleep was elusive. I lay there, listening to the sounds of the night, wondering if every crack and rustle was him coming back. And that's when I heard it. Footsteps, unmistakable in the quiet of the night, creeping toward our campsite. My heart raced, every sense on high alert. This was no longer just a camping trip. It was a fight for survival. The inky blackness of the night was absolute, the kind that envelops you, making you feel like you're the only person in the world. Lying in my tent, I could hear the forest breathing around us, the gentle rustle of leaves, the distant call of a night bird. But underneath that natural rhythm, there was something else, a sense of being watched, of not being alone. I tried to tell myself it was just the aftermath of the stranger's visit that my mind was playing tricks on me. But deep down, I knew better. I've spent enough time in the wild to trust my instincts, and right now, they were screaming that something wasn't right. It must have been around midnight when I heard it. The faint but unmistakable sound of footsteps outside. My heart kicked into overdrive, thudding loudly in my ears. I lay there, frozen, listening. The steps were slow, deliberate, like someone trying not to be heard. "'Jonah,' I whispered, my voice barely audible. No response. He was either asleep or like me, pretending to be. I reached for my flashlight, my fingers trembling slightly. I unzipped the tent, the sound deafening in the silence, and peered out. There, in the dim light of my flashlight stood a figure, just a few feet from my tent, close enough that I could see the whites of their eyes. It was him, the stranger from before. He stood there, motionless, just staring at me. For a moment, neither of us moved. It was like one of those standoffs you see in the movies, where time seems to stop. Then suddenly, he turned and bolted into the forest. His footsteps were loud, crashing through the underbrush, as if he no longer cared about being silent. "'Jonah!' I yelled, louder this time. He emerged from his tent, his eyes wide, a baseball bat in hand. "'What happened?' he asked, his voice tense. He was here, I said, my own voice shaking, right outside my tent. We didn't need to discuss it. We both knew we couldn't stay here, not with him lurking in the woods. We quickly, but quietly, started packing up our gear, our movements hurried and frantic. Every noise made us jump, every shadow a potential threat. As we worked, I couldn't shake the feeling that we were being watched, that he was out there, in the darkness, just waiting. It was a feeling I'd never experienced before, a primal fear, the kind that hits you in the gut and doesn't let go. We didn't talk much as we packed. There was an unspoken understanding between us. This was about survival now. The thrill of the adventure had long since faded, replaced by a cold, hard determination to get out of these woods. By the time we were ready to leave, the first faint light of dawn was beginning to creep over the horizon, We shouldered our packs and set off, not following the trail, but cutting through the woods, taking the most direct route back to civilization. We didn't stop, didn't look back. We just kept moving, driven by the need to put as much distance between us and the stranger as possible. The forest, once a place of peace and beauty, now felt like a maze, with danger lurking around every corner. It was a long, tense hike back to the truck. Every sound a potential threat, but we made it. We drove back in silence, the events of the night replaying over and over in our minds. We had come looking for adventure, but what we found was a reminder of how quickly things can turn in the wilderness, a reminder that sometimes the biggest danger out there is the one you don't see coming. Dawn was breaking, its light weak and watery, as Jonah and I finally reached the truck. Our bodies were weary. Muscles aching from the tense, hurried trek back through the woods. We threw our gear into the back with little care for order or neatness. The relief of being back in familiar territory, back within the embrace of civilization, was palpable. Yet it didn't quite erase the shadow of fear that had clung to us through the night. The drive back was quiet, the kind of silence that comes after a storm. The sun rose higher, casting golden beams through the trees, a stark contrast to the darkness that had enveloped us just hours before, but the beauty of the morning couldn't quite touch us. We were still trapped in the memory of the night, in the feeling of being hunted, watched. When we finally reached town, the normalcy of it all felt surreal, people going about their daily lives, oblivious to the drama that had unfolded in the quiet of the wilderness. We stopped at a diner the clatter and chatter inside a stark contrast to the silent tension we had left behind. Over coffee and eggs we finally began to talk, to process what had happened. We spun theories about the man in the woods, each one more unlikely than the last. Was he a hermit, living off the grid? A hunter, or maybe a hiker like us, who had lost his way? Or something more sinister, a predator, waiting for the opportunity to strike? The not knowing was the worst part. The unanswered questions left a void that our imaginations filled with dark possibilities. The waitress refilled our cups, her smile a reminder of the simple mundane aspects of life that we'd taken for granted. We tried to return the smile, but it felt forced, unnatural. We were changed, no longer the carefree college students who had set out for a weekend of camping. We had stared into the unknown, into the face of danger, and it had left its mark on us. As we drove back to campus, the landscape passing by in a blur, I couldn't shake the feeling of unease. The woods had always been my sanctuary, a place to escape the pressures of life. But now, they felt different. No longer a refuge, but a place where unknown dangers lurked. In the days that followed, the trip became a story we shared with friends, each retelling a little more dramatic than the last. But no matter how many times we shared it, it never lost its edge, the raw fear we had felt. It was a reminder that the wilderness, for all its beauty, was not a place to be underestimated. The experience stayed with us, a shadow in the back of our minds. We continued to hike, to explore, but we were more cautious, more aware of our surroundings. We learned to respect the wild in a way we hadn't before, to understand that it was a place of beauty and danger, and that sometimes, the greatest threat was the one you didn't see coming. That trip, that encounter, it didn't deter us from our adventures, but it taught us an invaluable lesson, to always be prepared, to always be aware, because in the wilderness, you're not always at the top of the food chain, The first light of dawn was creeping over the peaks of the rocky mountains as I loaded up my old reliable jeep with camping gear. There's something about the crisp, cool air of the Northwest that always brings back a rush of memories. I'm not the spry young camper I used to be, but the call of the wild, those majestic mountains and sprawling forests, still tugs at my heartstrings. I've always had a penchant for solitude a trait that's grown more pronounced with age. The thought of spending time in the backyard, watching the sunset with a cold beer in hand, had become more appealing over the years. Yet, here I was, setting off for my annual pilgrimage to the wilderness, driven by a mixture of nostalgia and an unquenchable thirst for nature's quietude. Driving to the trailhead, I found myself lost in thought, reflecting on the countless trips I'd made in my younger days. Times were simpler then, or perhaps it's just the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia. The road was familiar, each turn bringing me closer to a world away from the humdrum of daily life. Upon arrival, I parked the jeep in a small, secluded dirt lot. Stepping out, I took a deep breath, filling my lungs with the pure, pine-scented air. The trail was just as I remembered, a narrow path weaving through thickets and towering trees with the occasional glimpse of the vast, rugged landscape that makes the Rockies so awe-inspiring. I shouldered my backpack, feeling its familiar weight, and set off. The path underfoot was a mix of soft earth and scattered stones, a testament to the untamed nature of the land. Birds chirped in the canopy above, their melodies a welcome contrast to the silence I'd grown accustomed to at home. The walk to the campsite was shorter than I remembered, or maybe I was just more eager. It was a quaint spot, an open clearing surrounded by a natural fortress of pines and firs. I set up my tent with practiced ease, though my joints protested more than they used to. There was a sense of absolute peace in that little clearing, the kind you can't find anywhere else. It was just me, the trees, and the sky. I sat down on a fallen log, taking a moment to appreciate the solitude. This was what I came for, the chance to disconnect, to be alone with my thoughts, surrounded by the raw beauty of nature. With the sun still high, curiosity nudged me toward a side path I had heard about, an overlook that promised a breathtaking view of the mountains. I grabbed my water bottle and a basic backpack, essentials only. The path was narrower, more rugged, a ribbon of dirt cutting through the dense foliage, Reaching the overlook, I was greeted by a sight that made the walk worth every step. The mountains stretched out before me, an endless canvas of greens and grays, with peaks that pierced the sky. I sat there on the edge of the world, lost in the grandeur of it all. Time slipped away as I sat, the sun tracing its arc across the sky. There was a profound stillness, a sense of being the only soul for miles. It was a feeling I'd chased all my life, the complete surrender to nature's embrace. But as I made my way back to the campsite, a subtle shift in the air made me pause. Something felt different. My footsteps slowed as I approached the clearing. The tent flap, which I was certain I had zipped up, hung open. A chill ran down my spine, not from the cold, but from the sudden realization that I might not be as alone as I thought. The sun was starting to dip lower in the sky, casting long shadows across the campsite as I returned from the overlook. There's a particular kind of silence that settles in the woods at dusk, a hush that feels almost reverent. I've always found comfort in it, but that evening, something felt off. As I approached my tent, a sense of unease wormed its way into my thoughts. It looked the same, yet subtly different. The flap of the tent. Which i remembered zipping up meticulously was now slightly ajar i paused scanning the clearing no signs of disturbance no footprints or broken twigs just a whisper of doubt hanging in the air like a mist i tried to shake off the feeling telling myself i was just being paranoid maybe i had forgotten to zip the tent after all getting older does funny things to your memory but deep down I couldn't shake the feeling that something was amiss. It's like that moment in the wilderness when the birds stop singing and you know a storm is coming. I busied myself with setting up for the evening, trying to focus on the mundane tasks. Gathering stones for a fire pit, I couldn't help but glance over my shoulder, half expecting to see someone or something watching from the trees. The rustling leaves and the occasional snap of a twig underfoot sounded louder, more ominous than usual. With the fire crackling and the sky turning a deep shade of indigo, I settled into my camping chair. The warmth of the flames was comforting, but it did little to ease the chill that had settled in my bones. I brewed some tea, the steam rising in the cool air, and let my mind wander. I thought about the solitude I had always sought in these mountains, the peace I found in being alone with nature, but that night solitude felt more like isolation. Vulnerability. The darkness beyond the firelight seemed deeper, more impenetrable. Then, as if summoned by my brooding thoughts, I heard it the soft crunch of footsteps on the forest floor. My head snapped up, eyes straining to pierce the darkness. The sound was distant, but unmistakably human. I listened, holding my breath, as the footsteps grew closer, then stopped. A heavy silence fell over the campsite. I stared into the woods trying to make sense of what I was hearing. Who could it be out here, at this hour? A lost hiker, maybe, or something more sinister. The possibilities churned in my mind, each more unsettling than the last. The footsteps started again, but they didn't come closer. Instead, they moved parallel to the campsite, just beyond the reach of the firelight. My heart pounded in my chest, a mix of fear and frustration— I wanted to call out, to demand an explanation, but my voice was a prisoner in my throat. As the minutes dragged on, the footsteps faded, replaced by the natural sounds of the night. But the damage was done. The sanctuary I had found in these woods felt tainted, corrupted by the unknown. I sat there, long into the night, watching the flames dance and listening to the whispers of the forest. The unease I felt was a foreign intruder in a place I once considered my refuge. And as the fire died down to embers, I realized that the wilderness I loved could harbor secrets darker than any night. The night had deepened, wrapping the campsite in a cloak of darkness that seemed thicker than usual. The fire had dwindled to a mere flicker, its warmth barely reaching the edges of my unease. The forest, a place I had always found solace in now felt like an impenetrable barrier, hiding secrets in its shadows. That's when I heard it again, the soft, almost cautious tread of footsteps. This time, they were closer, more deliberate. Every instinct I had honed over years of traversing these woods screamed that this was no ordinary animal or lost hiker. My hand instinctively went to the handgun I had brought along, a reluctant companion I had hoped never to use. The steps seemed to come from two different directions now, one set approaching from the trail, the other from the opposite side of the clearing. I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I was being watched, sized up, by unseen eyes in the darkness. I rose slowly from my chair, my movements deliberate but tense. The gun felt heavy, cold in my hand, a stark reminder of the gravity of the situation. I didn't want to use it, but the primal part of me the part that knew the harsh realities of the wild, was ready to do whatever it took to survive. The footsteps paused, and a suffocating silence descended upon the campsite. My eyes darted around, straining to catch a glimpse of anything, any hint of movement in the inky blackness. But there was nothing, just the oppressive weight of unseen watchers in the night. I remember thinking how strange it was, the way fear can sharpen your senses, and dull them all at once. My ears were filled with the sound of my own heartbeat, loud and erratic, drowning out the softer sounds of the night, and yet every crackle of a twig, every rustle of leaves seemed amplified, a potential threat lurking in the shadows. I don't know how long I stood there, gun raised, scanning the darkness. It could have been minutes or hours, Time seemed to stretch and contract, leaving me disoriented, on edge. The only certainty was the presence of those hidden observers, their intentions as obscure as the night itself. Then, as suddenly as it had begun, the silence was broken. A branch snapped, loud and clear, somewhere off to my right. My head whipped around, gun pointing in the direction of the sound, but there was nothing, no shape or shadow to confirm my fears. In that moment, I made a decision. I wasn't going to wait for whatever was out there to make its move. I began to pack up my gear, keeping one hand on the gun at all times. My movements were quick, fueled by adrenaline, but I was careful not to let my guard down. The forest watched me, silent and unyielding, as I hurriedly stowed my belongings. I didn't bother with the tent, It was a small sacrifice to make for a hasty retreat. With one last look at the campsite, now empty except for the abandoned tent, I turned and made my way back to the trail. As I walked, the darkness seemed to press in on me from all sides. But the footsteps didn't follow. Whatever, or whoever, had been out there had let me go. Or perhaps they had never intended to do anything more than watch. The relief that washed over me as I emerged from the trail was tinged with a deep-seated unease. I had escaped unscathed, but the experience had left a mark. The woods I loved, the solitude I cherished, had shown me a darker side, a reminder that even in the most familiar places, danger can lurk just beyond the reach of the campfire's light. The trail back to my Jeep felt longer than I remembered. Each step was heavy with a mixture of relief and unease. The familiar path, once a welcome route to solitude, now seemed like a gauntlet I had to endure to reach safety. My flashlight's beam cut through the darkness, a feeble barrier against the unknown threats lurking in the shadows. The forest around me was alive with the sounds of the night, but my mind was preoccupied with what had just transpired. The reality of my situation was stark. I had been stalked, watched by unseen figures with unknown intentions. The sense of vulnerability was overwhelming, a stark contrast to the confidence I usually felt in these woods. I kept glancing over my shoulder, half expecting to see a figure emerging from the darkness, but there was nothing, only the dense thicket of trees and the occasional rustle of leaves in the wind. The silence of the unseen watchers was more unnerving than any noise would have been. As I neared my vehicle, the tension began to ease slightly. The sight of the jeep, bathed in the moonlight, was like a beacon of safety. I unlocked it quickly, throwing my pack into the back seat before climbing in and locking the doors behind me. The familiar interior of the jeep was a small comfort, a reminder of the normal world I had temporarily left behind. I sat there for a moment, letting the events of the night wash over me, My hands were still shaking, a physical testament to the fear and adrenaline that had coursed through me. I started the engine, the sound breaking the oppressive silence of the night, and drove away from the campsite, leaving the darkness and its secrets behind. The drive home was a blur. My mind replayed the night's events in a loop, each iteration bringing a new wave of questions and what-ifs. Who were they? What did they want? The lack of answers was frustrating but perhaps it was for the best. Some mysteries are better left unsolved. I reported the incident to the local police once I was back in civilization. Their response was as expected, sympathetic but ultimately unhelpful. Without a clear threat or any evidence, there was little they could do. I appreciated their efforts, but I knew that the experience was something I would have to come to terms with on my own. In the days that followed, I found myself reflecting on the encounter. The wilderness had always been a sanctuary for me a place of peace and solitude but that night had shown me a different face of nature unpredictable menacing and wild it was a reminder that no matter how familiar we are with the natural world we are still just visitors in a land governed by its own ancient and unfathomable rules the experience changed me in ways i'm still trying to understand i haven't been back to that campsite since and I'm not sure if I ever will. The joy of solo camping, once a cherished escape, now feels tainted with the memory of that night. Perhaps with time, I'll return to those mountains that I love so much. But for now, I'm content to enjoy the wilderness from a distance, respecting its power and the mysteries it holds close to its heart. I ain't scared of nothing. That's what I yelled to my brother, slamming the door to my car with a defiance that felt more like a challenge to myself than to him. The cold morning air bit at my cheeks as I stood there, half turning back to see his worried expression. He stood on the porch, my jacket in his hands, a smirk playing at the corner of his mouth, but his eyes, they were serious, almost pleading. Remember, skinwalkers, witches, werewolves, All the things you should be scared of," he called out, his voice laced with a hint of sarcasm, but underlined by genuine concern. I rolled my eyes and snatched the jacket from him. I'm not some kid, Alex. I can handle a few nights in the Rockies. I tried to sound confident, but even to my own ears it rang hollow. I slid into my car, a beat-up old Ford that had seen better days, and yelled, I'm not scared, before speeding away. In the rearview mirror the mountains loomed, their darkening outline stark against the setting sun, like ominous teeth ready to bite down. As I drove, the familiar scenery of home faded into a blur of greens and browns. I was out of my mind depressed lately, the kind where you can barely drag yourself out of bed. Thoughts of jumping in front of cars, off bridges, constantly circled in my head like vultures. I needed an escape, a drastic change, anything to jolt me out of this suffocating loop of despair. Solo camping, that was Mark's suggestion. He said it might clear my mind that the wilderness, the silence, the solitude would do me good. He gave me a list of spots, each more isolated than the last. I chose the most remote one, a three-hour hike from the last known campsite deep in the Rocky Mountain National Forest. It sounded perfect, no people, no noise, just me in the wilderness. I remember Mark's reaction when I told him my choice. You sure? His voice cracked, betraying his surprise. I just nodded, saying nothing. Okay, just remember, it's pretty secluded, especially for a first-time camper. He shrugged, trying to sound nonchalant. But it's beautiful out there, just be careful, okay? The drive was strangely soothing. The road snaked through the trees, Curving gently up the mountainside. It felt like an adventure, a step into the unknown. I had decided to ditch all electronics for this trip, even locking my phone in the glove box. I wanted to detach completely, to immerse myself in the now, not in the past or the future. My plan was simple five days and four nights in the wild. Hopefully, that would be enough to recuperate, to reassess what I was doing with my life. I descended into Estes Park, the town serving as a gateway to my adventure. I resisted the temptation to check into the Stanley Hotel, a cozy escape from what lay ahead. Instead, I found the entrance to the park and continued to the lot closest to my campsite. It was getting dark, and I silently cursed myself for leaving so late. The last rays of the sun disappeared as I sat in my car, contemplating— Hiking three hours in near pitch black seemed too risky. There were four other tents in the lot with space for one more. Soon, I had my own tent set up among the chattering families and playful children. They offered me hot dogs, s'mores, beers. I accepted gratefully, feeling an unexpected sense of community. I smiled, rolling into my sleeping bag as the last light from the campfires faded into the mountain night. In those moments, There was no fear, no dread, just the comforting sounds of laughter and the gentle crackling of fires. But as I lay there, staring into the darkness, I couldn't shake the feeling that this was just the calm before the storm. Morning in the Rockies has a way of making you forget your troubles, if only for a moment. The air was crisp, filled with the scent of pine and earth, and as I emerged from my tent, the sun was just beginning to peek over the mountaintops casting a golden glow on the world. The campsite was already stirring, kids laughing, parents cooking breakfast over open fires. It was a comforting slice of normalcy. I packed up my gear, feeling a bit more at ease. Maybe this wasn't such a bad idea after all. The hike ahead would be long, but the promise of true solitude in the wilderness beckoned me with an almost mystical allure. The idea of being completely alone, away from the constant noise of life, seemed like exactly what I needed. The trail to my intended campsite was well marked at first, winding through towering pines and over small, bubbling streams. I passed a few other hikers, exchanging brief nods and smiles. But as I ventured deeper into the forest, the trail became less defined, the sounds of civilization faded away, and I was enveloped by the vast, untouched wilderness of the Rockies There is a certain kind of silence that you only find in places like this, a heavy, all-encompassing quiet that makes you keenly aware of your own existence. I could hear every breath, every heartbeat, every step as I made my way deeper into the forest. The solitude was both exhilarating and intimidating. By the time I reached my campsite it was late afternoon. The site was nestled in a small clearing, surrounded by dense forest. It was as isolated as I had hoped, not another soul in sight. I set up my tent and gathered wood for a fire, trying to shake off the eerie feeling that had settled over me. I told myself it was just the unfamiliarity of being so alone, so far from anything I knew. As the sun dipped below the horizon, I lit my fire and sat back, trying to relax. The darkness in the mountains is different. It's deeper, more complete— The only light came from the flickering flames of my fire casting dancing shadows all around me i tried to focus on the beauty of it the peace of it but a nagging sense of unease crept into my mind the sounds of the night were unfamiliar rustling leaves distant animal calls the occasional snap of a twig i told myself it was just the forest settling just wildlife going about their business but as the hours passed every sound seemed amplified every shadow a potential threat. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, of not being alone. I crawled into my tent, trying to convince myself that I was just being paranoid. But sleep was elusive, every sound outside sending a jolt of adrenaline through my body. I lay there in the darkness, trying to calm my racing heart, wondering if I had made a mistake coming out here alone. The wilderness was supposed to be my escape, my chance to find some peace. But as I lay there, listening to the sounds of the night, I couldn't help but feel that I had ventured into something much deeper and more unsettling than I had ever anticipated. The first light of dawn was a relief, but it brought with it the stark realization of my vulnerability. I was deep in the belly of the Rockies, surrounded by nothing but untamed wilderness. The night had been long, every sound a potential threat lurking just beyond the thin fabric of my tent. With a sense of urgency, I packed up my camp. The isolation I had sought now felt oppressive, a weight on my chest that I couldn't shake off. I tried to focus on the task at hand, to prepare myself for the day's hike. But my mind kept replaying the eerie sounds of the night, the feeling of being watched. The trail ahead was less forgiving than before. It twisted and turned, leading me deeper into a labyrinth of ancient trees and rugged terrain. The deeper I went, the more I felt like an intruder in a world that wasn't mine to disturb. The forest seemed alive, aware of my every move. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being followed, that eyes were upon me from the shadows. As the sun began to dip lower in the sky, I realized I was lost. The trail had become indistinguishable swallowed up by the dense forest. Panic set in as I tried to retrace my steps, but everything looked the same, an endless sea of trees and underbrush. It was almost dark when I finally stumbled upon the campsite. It was a small clearing, barely visible under the creeping shadows of the trees. I set up my tent with shaking hands, my heart pounding in my chest. The darkness was no longer just an absence of light, It felt like a living, breathing entity, enveloping me in its cold embrace. I built a fire, more for comfort than warmth. The flames cast an eerie glow on the surrounding trees, creating grotesque shapes that danced just beyond the light's reach. I sat there, my back to the fire, staring out into the darkness, jumping at every crack and rustle. As the night wore on, the forest sounds grew louder, more aggressive. It was as if the darkness itself was alive with unseen creatures, watching me, circling me. I tried to convince myself that it was just my imagination, that I was letting fear get the best of me. But deep down, I knew it was something more. I crawled into my tent, but sleep was a distant dream. Every rustle of leaves, every snap of a twig sent waves of fear crashing over me. I lay there, wide-eyed, clutching my flashlight like a lifeline. Then I heard it, the unmistakable sound of footsteps, not the light tread of an animal, but the heavy, deliberate steps of something, or someone. My heart stopped as I listened, the footsteps growing closer, then stopping just outside my tent. I was frozen in fear, every instinct screaming at me to run, but I couldn't move. I lay there, holding my breath, as the unseen presence lingered just beyond the thin canvas. Then, as suddenly as it had come, it was gone, leaving me alone in the suffocating darkness. I don't know when I finally fell asleep, but when I woke, the sun was high in the sky, and the forest was once again just a forest. But the terror of the night lingered, a dark shadow that I couldn't shake off. I knew I had to leave, to get out of this place that had turned from a refuge into a nightmare. But as I packed up my camp— I couldn't escape the feeling that it wasn't over, that the forest wasn't done with me yet. The morning light did little to ease the terror that had taken root in my soul. I was a city dweller, a stranger to the raw, unforgiving nature of the wild. And now, as I hurriedly dismantled my camp, every rustle in the underbrush felt like a harbinger of unseen horrors. I had to get out, to leave this cursed place behind. My hands trembled as I packed, the memories of last night's terror fresh in my mind. The footsteps, the oppressive feeling of being watched. It was too much. I wasn't cut out for this. I was a fool to think I could be. I set off at a brisk pace, the map my only guide back to civilization. But the forest had other plans. The trees seemed to close in around me, the path narrowing, as if the wilderness itself was conspiring to keep me there. Every noise was a potential threat every shadow a lurking danger. Hours passed, and the forest showed no mercy. I stumbled over roots, scratched by branches, my mind racing with panic. Then, as the sun began to set, a chilling sound pierced the silence, a distant scream, human and filled with terror. Help me, please, oh God, help me. Instinctively, I ran towards the sound, my own fears momentarily forgotten. Where are you? I yelled, my voice echoing through the trees. The screams turned to laughter, deep and unsettling, bouncing off the trees. I froze, the realization hitting me like a cold wave. It was a trap, a trick of the forest. I turned and ran back the way I came, my heart pounding in my chest. The laughter followed me, a constant reminder of the unseen terror that lurked in the shadows. By some miracle, I found my way back to the campsite. I grabbed my gear, not bothering to pack it properly. The mountains loomed over me, their peaks like jagged teeth ready to swallow me whole. As I dismantled the tent, a horrifying sight stopped me in my tracks. Inside, sitting in the corner, was a figure, me. But it wasn't me. This other self was gaunt, its eyes black voids, a grotesque grin stretching across its face blood trickled from its eyes, a macabre mockery of tears. I recoiled in horror, stumbling backward. The laughter rose again, surrounding me, closing in. I didn't hesitate. I ran, leaving everything behind, driven by pure, primal fear. I ran without direction, the forest a blur around me. Branches tore at my skin, roots tripped me, but I didn't stop. I couldn't, The laughter was everywhere, echoing in my head, a relentless torment. Then, suddenly, a light blinded me. I collided with something solid, a wall of black, arms wrapped around me, a voice trying to calm me. It's okay. You just scared me. What's wrong? I looked up into the face of a man, middle-aged, concern etched on his features. He was dressed incongruously in a black suit, out of place in the wilderness. He claimed to be a park ranger, but something was off. His car, a matte black SUV, idled nearby, its engine a low growl in the quiet forest. He offered to drive me back to my car. I hesitated, but the forest laughter was still in my ears, urging me to escape. I climbed into the passenger seat, exhaustion and fear overwhelming me. As we drove, the ranger offered me corn nuts from a bag. His casual demeanor was at odds with the situation. I asked if he was really a ranger, but before he could answer, the SUV jerked to a stop. In the road ahead was the other me, the grotesque doppelganger, waving with its broken limbs. The ranger muttered under his breath, a mix of disbelief and resignation, then accelerated, hitting the figure with a sickening thud. We drove in silence, the laughter finally fading away. As we reached the parking lot, the first light of dawn was breaking. The ranger handed me my bag and offered his card, a black piece of paper with a single number. He drove off before I could ask more. I stood there, alone, the card in my hand. The forest was behind me, but the terror remained, a lingering shadow in my mind. I climbed into my car, my escape from the nightmare, and drove away leaving the Rockies and their dark secrets behind. But I knew, deep down, that some part of me would always be there, lost in the wilderness, a prisoner of my own fear. Driving away from the Rockies, the first rays of dawn washing over me, I felt like a man reborn, yet haunted. The rearview mirror reflected a face I barely recognized, pale, drawn, eyes that had seen too much. The mountains receded in the distance, But their shadow lingered in my mind, an indelible mark on my soul. The drive back to civilization was a blur, my thoughts a whirlwind of confusion and fear. The encounter with my doppelganger, the mysterious man in the black suit, the laughter that seemed to echo from the very trees. It all melded into a nightmare that I couldn't wake up from. I reached home, but it no longer felt like a sanctuary. My brother was there, relief flooding his face when he saw me. I wanted to tell him everything, to pour out the terror and madness I had experienced. But the words wouldn't come. How could I explain the unexplainable? So I just shrugged and told him the trip wasn't for me, that I preferred the city's noise and lights to the oppressive silence of the wilderness. Life went on, but something inside me had changed. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. The sense of an unseen presence lurking just out of sight the laughter would sometimes whisper in my dreams a chilling reminder of the forest's unseen horrors i tried to bury the memories to lose myself in the mundane routines of daily life but every so often my hand would unconsciously drift to my pocket fingering the black card the ranger had given me it was just a piece of paper but it felt like a lifeline A connection to someone who might understand what I had gone through. I often thought about calling the number, about seeking answers to the questions that plagued me. Who was that man? What had I encountered in the forest? Was it all just a figment of my overwrought imagination, or something more, something real and terrifying? But fear held me back. I was afraid of what I might learn, of opening a door that could never be closed again. So the card remained unused a silent testament to my encounter with the unknown. And yet, there was a part of me that yearned for understanding, for closure. I knew that one day, curiosity would overcome fear, and I would make that call. I needed to know, to confront the demons that lurked in the shadows of my mind. But until then, I would try to move on, to rebuild the fragile sense of normalcy that the forest had shattered. The Rockies were behind me, but their legacy was a part of me now, a dark chapter in the story of my life. I had sought solitude in the wilderness, a refuge from my inner demons, but I had found something else, a deeper, more primal fear that would forever haunt the edges of my consciousness. It was a lesson learned in the harshest way possible. Some places are better left unexplored, some mysteries better left unsolved, for in the heart of the wilderness there are things that defy explanation things that dwell in the shadows and laugh at our attempts to understand them. My brother owns a really nice RV, and he's always been generous enough to let me borrow it from time to time. We live just 15 minutes apart in a state known for its camping, hiking, and outdoor activities. It was the crisp autumn season when I asked him if I could borrow the RV for a camping trip by a small fishing pond. The weather was getting too chilly for tent camping, so the RV seemed like the perfect choice. My plan was simple, a few days of fishing and some much needed solitude. I drove over to my brother's place to pick up the RV, and then I set out for the remote fishing spot. The trail leading to the pond was more of a dirt path than a proper road, but I'd seen tire marks before. So I knew other people had ventured down this way as well. This time, though, the path was deserted, and when I arrived at the pond, there wasn't a soul in sight. I parked the RV off to the side, just in case someone else decided to show up. After getting everything ready, I wasted no time and went straight to the pond to fish. I had a couple of beers, relaxed, and enjoyed the tranquility of the surroundings. As the clock neared 5 p.m., I began cleaning up and gathering my gear, all while keeping an eye on the surroundings. That's when a pickup truck suddenly appeared from the trail. It was an old, rusty truck that had clearly seen better days. Strangely, there was no camper attached to it. It was just the truck itself. The windows were tinted, which led me to believe that whoever was inside was probably using it as a makeshift sleeping spot, which wasn't uncommon in these parts. They parked on the other side of the field and turned off their headlights, staying inside. With everything packed up, I headed into the RV for the night. I glanced out a few times to see if the truck was still there, thinking I could introduce myself and avoid any awkwardness. However, nothing seemed to change. It felt a bit odd not to exchange greetings when you're both out in the middle of nowhere, but I decided to go about my night. I climbed into bed and soon drifted off to sleep. Sometime during the night, I woke up briefly after hearing a car door open and then close. I peered out the window but didn't spot anyone, so I shrugged it off and went back to sleep. In the morning, I woke up, made breakfast, and returned to the pond for another day of fishing. To my surprise, the truck was still in the exact same spot as before. It seemed as though they hadn't moved at all. I sat there fishing for well over three hours, The eerie stillness surrounding the truck beginning to unsettle me either someone was inside that truck and had no intention of leaving or they had quietly slipped away in the middle of the night after i heard the door neither scenario seemed normal and i couldn't shake the feeling of being watched from inside that truck as the day wore on i grew increasingly uncomfortable i decided to retreat into the rv where i constantly glanced out of the windows hoping for any sign of change. Then, around 7 p.m., the engine of the truck roared to life. My heart pounded as I watched them slowly maneuver it toward the trail, as if they were preparing to leave. However, they abruptly stopped right in the middle of the path, blocking my way. A sense of dread washed over me as a man jumped out of the truck in a rush, sprinting to the bed and grabbing something from the back. Then he turned to face the RV, panic set in as i locked the door and i could hear his footsteps approaching the man began violently shaking the door trying to pry it open my mind was a fog of confusion and fear and i had no idea what to do i rushed to the driver's seat and started the rv's engine just as the man continued his relentless efforts to break in i pressed on the gas inching closer to their truck the man chasing after me in a desperate move i pushed the rv against the truck causing it to slide off the trail and create an opening for me to escape. As I drove away, I didn't dare look back until I was safely on the road. Several miles down the road, I finally gathered my wits and called the police to report the harrowing encounter. By the time they arrived at the fishing spot, the truck and the mysterious man were nowhere to be found. I couldn't be certain of the man's intentions that night. The obvious conclusion was that he intended to rob me, taking both the RV and everything inside it. But why did he spend so much time watching me and setting up such an elaborate trap? Why not block the trail right away and execute his plan swiftly? It felt like he had been observing me, waiting to see if I was alone, as if he had something more sinister in mind. If circumstances had unfolded differently, I might never have been seen again after that night. Ever since Jess and I moved to the southeastern part of Australia, the vast expanse of nature had always beckoned us. There's something about the rugged terrain, the untamed wilderness, that just gets under your skin, you know? That's why when we decided to head out to Wangaratta Valley in Victoria's High Country for a camping trip, it felt like we were answering a primal call. As I loaded up our four-wheel drive, I felt a surge of excitement. The High Country is no joke. It's a place where you're reminded of how small you really are in the grand scheme of things. I double-checked our list—food, water, tent, rifle for protection, and most importantly, extra fuel on the roof racks. We were about to immerse ourselves in a land where mobile phones are rendered useless, and the only tweets come from the birds overhead. Ready, Ryan? Jess called out, her voice laced with anticipation. She's always been the more adventurous one between us. Almost, I replied, securing the last of our gear. I took a moment to inform the local police station of our trip, a safety measure you don't skip when you're venturing into the unknown. The drive to the high country was a journey in itself. Jess played DJ, her playlist a mix of classic rock and new indie tracks, the music a stark contrast to the ancient land we traversed. The terrain grew more challenging, the civilization we left behind becoming a distant memory. Our conversation dwindled as we both became absorbed in the raw beauty around us. As we descended into Wangarata Valley, I couldn't help but feel a sense of awe. It's an amphitheater of nature, alpine mountains rising imposingly on all sides, a river meandering through the valley floor. It was like stepping into another world, a world that hadn't changed for millennia, Finding a secluded spot by the riverbank, nestled among eucalyptus trees, we set up camp. The air was crisp, filled with the scent of eucalyptus and the faint murmur of the river. It was midweek, off-season, and the solitude was palpable. We were alone, or so we thought. As the sun dipped below the mountains, casting long shadows across the valley, we sat by the fire. Jess broke out some marshmallows and we toasted them The simple act bringing an inexplicable joy. You know, this is perfect, Jess said, her eyes reflecting the flames. I nodded, feeling a contentment I hadn't known in a long time. Out here, away from the relentless pace of the world, I felt like we could breathe again. But as the darkness enveloped us, and the stars began to dot the sky, I couldn't shake off a creeping sense of unease. Maybe it was the vastness of the wilderness or the stories I'd heard about the High Country, tales of people getting lost, never to be found again. I pushed those thoughts aside, not wanting to spoil the moment. We were here to escape, to be free from worries and fears. But as I would soon find out, the High Country had other plans for us, plans that would test our resolve, our courage, and our very understanding of what it means to be truly alone. The first night in Wangaratta Valley was like living a dream under the stars. Jess and I sat by the fire, our conversation meandering like the river beside us. But as the embers died down and we crawled into our sleeping bags, the dream began to warp subtly into something else. I woke up sometime in the night to a sound that didn't quite belong. It was a soft thud, like something being knocked over. I lay there, listening to the silence that followed my heart beating a rhythm of mild alarm. Was it just a possum or a wombat? We were in their territory after all. I convinced myself it was nothing and drifted back to sleep. The light of dawn brought a serene calm, but it was quickly shattered by the sight that greeted us. Our campsite was subtly altered. The chairs we had left by the fire, one was now oddly positioned by the table. And there it was, a loaf of bread, half-eaten, clearly showing a bite mark. I could swear I had packed it away the night before. Did you get up for a midnight snack? I asked Jess, half joking. Her puzzled look was answer enough. We both knew something wasn't right. As we scoured the campsite, my eyes fell on the ground near our vehicle. Footprints. And they weren't ours. They circled the car, as if someone had been inspecting it, maybe trying to get in. My mind raced. Could they have been here before us but the clarity of the prints in the soft dirt suggested otherwise i could feel the unease building in jess she's tough but she's also got a keen sense for when things are off and things were definitely off should we leave she asked voicing the question that had been nagging at me since dawn i pondered weighing our safety against the effort to pack up and find a new spot let's stay it's probably just wildlife or a curious hiker, I said, trying to sound more convinced than I felt. As the day progressed, we tried to shake off the morning's discoveries. We hiked, explored the surrounding area, and tried to reclaim the sense of peace we'd felt when we first arrived. But the serenity was tainted now, the solitude not as comforting as it once seemed. That night, as we sat by the fire, the silence of the valley felt heavier, charged with a latent tension every crackle of the firewood every rustle in the bushes set my nerves on edge jess felt it too i could tell by the way she kept glancing into the darkness beyond the firelight just when i thought my imagination was getting the better of me it happened again a noise in the night more distinct this time the unmistakable sound of something being moved at our campsite i grabbed the flashlight my heart hammering in my chest as I scanned the darkness. Nothing, no sign of any animal or person, just the trees and the river and the night. But the sense of being watched, of not being alone, was palpable. I didn't voice my fears to Jess, not wanting to alarm her further. We retreated to our tent. The false sense of security had offered little comfort. Sleep was elusive that night. Every sound was magnified, every shadow a potential threat. In the vast, wild expanse of the high country, I realized just how vulnerable we were, and I couldn't shake the feeling that our presence in the valley wasn't as unnoticed as we had thought. The next day dawned clear and bright, the sun casting a golden hue over the valley. Jess and I tried to shake off the unease from the previous night. I decided to explore the old homestead, a relic steeped in the valley's history, Jess preferred to stay back at the camp, immersing herself in a book she'd brought along. The homestead, a crumbling structure of times long past, sat solemnly against the backdrop of the mountains. Its walls held secrets, including the unsolved murder from 1917. I felt like I was stepping into a chapter of history, the air around me heavy with stories untold. I took my time reading the plaque, capturing photos with my camera, letting the mystery of the place seep into me. Halfway back to camp, my mind buzzing with thoughts of the past, I saw Jess walking briskly across the field towards me. Something in her gait told me this wasn't a casual stroll. As she drew closer, I could see the panic etched on her face. She blurted out her story before I could even ask. Down by the riverbank, while washing the dishes, She had looked up to see a man on the other side of the river. An old man, she said, with a weathered face and tattered clothes. As soon as their eyes met, he turned and vanished into the bush. My mind raced with questions. Who was he? How did he get there? The valley was remote, difficult to access without a four-wheel drive or some serious hiking. And why the secrecy? His disappearance into the bush seemed more like the act of someone wanting to avoid being seen We hopped into our vehicle, driven by a need to understand what was happening. We drove along the valley, scanning for any sign of the man or other campers. But the valley remained stubbornly empty, no trace of human presence other than our own. As the sun began its descent, a sense of vulnerability washed over me. The vastness of the high country, its isolation, seemed more ominous now. The mysterious man's presence, real or imagined, had intruded into our sanctuary, tainting it with an undercurrent of threat. Back at our campsite, as we prepared dinner, the day's events hung heavily between us. The rifle, which I'd brought along more for a sense of security against wildlife than anything else, now felt like a necessary precaution. Jess and I talked in hushed tones, our conversation a mix of speculation and attempts to reassure each other. Maybe he was just a hermit living off the grid, we reasoned, or a bushwalker like us, albeit a bit more rugged. But as the darkness enveloped the valley once more, every sound seemed like a harbinger of something sinister. The crackling of the fire, the rustling leaves, the distant hoot of an owl, they all seemed to whisper secrets of the high country, secrets that we were not privy to. That night sleep was elusive again. The fabric of our tent felt paper-thin, a flimsy barrier against the unknown. The wilderness around us, once a source of wonder, now felt like a vast, unfathomable entity, watching us with unseen eyes. And in the back of my mind the image of the old man lingered, a ghostly presence in the wilderness of the high country. As the new day broke, a sense of foreboding hung over our camp. The memories of the previous day's strange encounter were like dark clouds on a clear morning. Jess and I moved around in silence, our actions mechanical as we prepared for the day. The valley, with its majestic beauty, now seemed to harbor a lurking menace. I couldn't shake the image of the old man from my mind. Who was he? What did he want? The more I pondered, the more questions surfaced, with no answers in sight. Jess seemed lost in her thoughts, too, her usual spark dimmed by uncertainty. The decision to leave, which we had been postponing, now felt urgent, inevitable. But as we began to pack, a strange reluctance held us back. It was as if leaving meant admitting that we were scared, that the wilderness we loved had defeated us. Our departure was interrupted by Jess's need to use the portable toilet we had set up a little distance from the camp. Given the recent events, she asked me to accompany her. The short walk through the trees, once a pleasant stroll, now felt like a cautious venture into unknown territory. As we returned, the sight that met our eyes froze us in our tracks. There, standing by our campsite, a mere meter from where I had carelessly left the rifle, was the old man. The same ragged appearance, the same weathered face that Jess had described, Jess gripped my arm tightly, her fear palpable. The man didn't seem surprised to see us, as if our arrival was an expected part of his day. His presence, so close to our belongings and to the rifle, sent a chill down my spine. Good day, mate, he greeted, his voice gravelly, but not unfriendly. I responded, my voice steadier than I felt. You gave us a heck of a scare there, mate. Where did you come from? He gestured vaguely towards the valley. Just over yonder. You lot aren't hunting around here, are you? His eyes flicked to the rifle. The conversation that followed was surreal. He spoke of his attachment to the valley, his visits spanning over forty years. He talked about the scarcity of deer, his words hinting at a life spent in harmony with the wilderness. As he turned to leave, disappearing into the twilight with the ease of a shadow, a part of me wanted to call out to ask him to stay, to explain himself. But I remained silent, the questions burning unanswered in my throat. That night, as we sat around the fire, our conversation was sparse. The encounter had left us shaken, the veneer of normalcy too thin to mask our anxiety. We were no longer just visitors in the high country. We were intruders in a world that belonged to others, to the old man, to the wilderness, The decision to leave was no longer a choice but a necessity we packed up the darkness around us feeling heavier than before as we drove out of the valley the sense of being watched never left us the high country had revealed its true face beautiful but untamed inviting yet unforgiving and as we left it behind i couldn't help but feel a sense of loss of leaving a part of ourselves behind in the wild heart of victoria The drive back from the high country was a silent affair. Jess and I were both lost in our thoughts, the events of the past days replaying in our minds like a movie on loop. The comfort of civilization, once taken for granted, now felt like a sanctuary. The familiar sights and sounds of the town were a stark contrast to the untamed wilderness we had left behind. Once home, the urge to share our experience was overwhelming. We recounted our story to friends and family, their reactions a mix of disbelief and concern. But it was a conversation with a friend's father, an experienced bushman, that turned our unease into outright fear. "'Oh, you met the button man,' he said nonchalantly, as if mentioning an old acquaintance. "'The what now?' I asked, a chill running down my spine. "'The button man,' he repeated. "'He's an old bushman who's been living out in the high country for years, hunts with a spear,' keeps to himself, but every now and then he turns up in campers' stories, a bit of a legend in these parts. His casual tone did little to ease the sense of dread that was slowly creeping over me. He went on to tell us about the button man's reputation, the mysterious disappearances, the campsites found abandoned, the lack of evidence. It was as if the man was a ghost, leaving no trace except for the stories that circulated in hushed tones among the locals. A quick search on the internet confirmed what he had told us. There were articles about missing campers, hikers who had vanished without a trace, and police searches that turned up nothing. And amidst all these stories, the name of the button man surfaced repeatedly, shrouded in mystery and unease. Jess and I looked at each other, the realization dawning on us. We had come face to face with a legend, a figure who was as much a part of the high country as the mountains and the rivers. Our encounter, which had seemed so personal, so isolated, was part of a larger tapestry of tales and mysteries that wove through the fabric of the high country. In the days that followed, our adventure in the Wangarata Valley took on a different hue. It was no longer just a camping trip gone awry. It was a brush with the unknown, a confrontation with the legends and fears that lurked in the wilderness. Our resolve to never return to that part of the high country was firm. The wild beauty of the place, once so inviting, now felt forbidding, a reminder of our vulnerability and the mysteries that lay beyond the reach of civilization. As I look back on that trip, I realize it was a turning point for us. We had sought adventure, a break from the mundanities of everyday life, but what we found was a deeper understanding of the world around us a world that was not just beautiful and wild but also mysterious and at times unsettling the high country with its vast expanses and hidden secrets had left its mark on us it was a reminder that some places some mysteries are best left untouched respected from a distance and the button man whoever he was remained a part of that untamed land a legend as enduring as the mountains themselves